Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. How did we get to this place that we're in today, where Catholics don't know their faith? If we're honest with ourselves, we're teaching kids religious education and teaching them the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and seven out of ten kids that I work with when I give confirmation retreats aren't even sure if God exists. Why are we teaching them about the Holy Spirit and the gifts and all of these other things if they don't even know the basics? How in the world did we get to this place on a mass scale? Rewind time to the 1960s after the Second Vatican II Council. I'm not solely blaming Vatican II for the problems that we have today. However, it is in part part of the problem. And the reason why is Along with Vatican II, we had the sexual revolution, we had anarchy, we had rebellion, we had many things going on in the United States that Catholics found themselves in the midst of for the first time in history. And at this time, many Catholics left the church to go join the sexual revolution and the rebellion and anarchy and to be set free from the chains and all of that sort of thing. Now, we had 50,000 nuns in 10 years leave the Catholic Church. And we had over 10,000 priests also leave the Catholic Church. This left a huge hole. And we wonder why many of the priests have been evil and bad and corrupt over the last 30, 40, 50 years is because after that huge gaping hole in our church, we pretty much let anybody in. We relaxed seminary laws and psychological evaluations. We didn't really require anything of anyone to get in. And so we've had terrible priests, wolves in sheep's clothing, if we're going to be honest, to enter our church, who have also subsequently become theologians and bishops who are also wolves in sheep's clothing. If you can't tell, I'm not pulling any punches in this video, and we got to get to the exact problem of how the Catholic Church got to the place it is today. And many of it has to do with nuns and priests back in the 1960s and 1970s. They left the church and bad ones came in. Worse, thousands of nuns stayed in the church to try to make it into something else completely different. They embraced radical feminism. They embraced witchcraft. They embraced the goddess and many other things like that. I mean, it would be difficult for people to believe these things, but I have whole books on these topics, one of them being... If you're interested, Ungodly Rage, another one being The Green Sisters. Each of these books talks about the mass destruction of religious sisters in our country. Each of these books and many others that I can mention talk about the wholesale destruction of religious orders in our country. And these sisters are the ones who bought a false Catholicism and taught a false Catholicism and passed it on down through the Catholic schools and religious education programs. Simultaneously, you have priests and bishops and theologians who are trying to change the teachings of the church around this time. Complete liberals who are not on board with what Jesus Christ taught 2,000 years ago, who are not on board with what our church taught 2,000 years ago and has taught for 2,000 years. And they started trying to change the moral teachings of the church and many of the doctrines of the church. And they told people to ignore the Pope and ignore Humani Vitae and his 
precepts on that and many other things. They just said, follow your own conscience. And so people, not knowing any better and trusting these blind guides, actually followed them and started doing their own thing. We already have a problem in America with individualism, thinking that it's all about us and we make our own decisions, when in fact, our decisions don't really matter at all. It matters what God says, what he's taught. It's up to us to obey that. So this brings us to our second point, families. Wholesale families stopped living the faith. They just embraced paganism and hedonism, and they embraced just liberalism and lukewarmism, and they stopped living their faith and passing it on to their children. For many, many centuries and centuries, we've passed on our faith. Kids knew their prayers. They knew the doctrines. They knew all of these things. And now, we hardly know anything because the parents have failed and stopped passing it on. Most parents will drop their kids off at religious education, but not go to church themselves. Many parents are living a false ideal of what Catholicism is, and we wonder why our kids don't know it. We wonder why we don't know our faith and why so few Catholics actually believe the Eucharist. It's because they're not living it. In fact, I have friends. All my good Catholic friends have taught their kids to pray. These little kids are three and four years old, and they know the Our Father. They know the Hail Mary. They know the Glory Be, and they can say grace before meals. They can hardly talk, and they know their prayers. And on the other side of the coin, I work with teenagers, 14, 15, 16 years old, who don't even know the Our Father who don't even know the Hail Mary. These are basic Catholic prayers. And in my confirmation retreats, you can see that they have never been to Mass in a really long time because they don't know how to receive the Eucharist. They don't know how to act. They don't really know what it's about. And it's a really sad, telling state of the times of our church right now. In addition to this, our catechesis in this country, in the United States, has been terrible over the last 40 to 50 years. But it's not all of the fault of the religious education program. Religious education is not supposed to instruct your children. You are parents. The parents are the primary instructors of the faith. We are supposed to pass on our faith to our kids and not expect some other organization or even our own organization to do that. In fact, religious education is only once a week for an hour. Imagine if you sent your kid to school for an hour to learn math. Once a week. That's it. Not once every day, once a week. And they don't actually think of the math throughout the week. Do you think they're going to remember it? Of course they're not. Religious education is only supposed to be a supplement for the faith. It's not supposed to be the teacher of the faith itself. The parents are supposed to teach their faith. But how can we know our faith and believe in transubstantiation or anything else that the Catholic Church teaches if the adults aren't even going to church, if the adults don't even know their faith, if the adults disagree with the higher-ups and even with what Jesus himself taught? The kids are going to learn it. For the last 40 or 50 years, many people have had good questions and concerns about the Catholic Church. And of course, what have we said to them? Oh, don't ask questions. Just believe. Just, you got to have faith. God is a mystery. And they had really good questions, and we gave them really poor answers. And we wonder why they're walking away from the faith in droves. If you tell anyone to just believe today, or that it's a mystery, or you just have to believe, teens and young adults are gone forever. They're not coming back because that is not satisfying. In an age of atheism, in an age of skepticism, in an age of individualism, and in an age of just cynicism, 
We need answers. And just believing is a terrible answer. And in fact, we have not given them good answers, which is why they're walking away and don't know their faith. I talk to teens and young adults all the time. I've been speaking to adults and teens professionally for 20 years, and I know every single one of their objections, their concerns, and their questions. I've spoken to teens and young adults sometimes up to two, three, and four hours with just one teenager or just one young adult who's had questions about the faith. And we've just sat down and hashed it out. And at the end of it, they say, you know what? That makes complete sense, actually. I'm actually much more likely to come back to Mass now, or I'm much more likely to start praying again, or I can't wait to go to church this Sunday. This sounds awesome. You know, it makes sense to me now. So when we answer their questions, and when we meet their objections, I mean, we don't want faith to be like this, or like this. And that's exactly what it is in our country and in our church right now. It's blind. And once we answer their questions and objections, it makes sense to them, and they want to come back to God. So, DREs, parents, religious education teachers, priests and bishops, do you know the questions that our teens have? Do you know their objections? Do you know their concerns? Do you know what they like about being Catholic and what they don't like? Do you know what they agree with and what they disagree with? I know all of the biggest objections that they have and how to answer them and how to bring them back. This is of paramount importance if we want to pass on the faith to future generations. We're taking kids in fifth grade religious education and we are expecting them to be on a fifth grade level, but they're not. They're on a first or second second grade level and they don't know their faith. So we need to hit them where they're at and answer their questions and deal with those things that they are struggling with. Only then can we start helping them to make the faith their own so that they can learn it and then pass it on to other people. From my experience, when we actually give them answers, I talk to kids about the Eucharist all the time and they get it. They understand it and they're willing to believe it when it makes sense and you preach it from the Bible and you preach it from tradition and you preach it from Eucharistic miracles. How many times have you heard a homily that talks about the Eucharist and we wonder why the people don't believe in the Eucharist? Priests out there, do you just assume that just because you give a homily on the Eucharist, people are going to believe it? No, they're not, because just what we say is one thing, but they have many questions and many deep concerns and objections on the inside. And so how could it be Jesus? I mean, it looks like bread. It feels like bread. It tastes like bread. How could it really, really be Jesus? That doesn't make sense. So yeah, we could say this is what we believe and it's important. And we could say, hey, this is the center of our faith. But if people don't understand it, they're not going to believe it. And this brings us to another point. Homilies. One of the biggest reasons Catholics are leaving their faith and don't know it is because one of the primary forms of catechesis in the Catholic Church is the homily. And our homilies have been abominable for the last 30, 40 years, especially over the last 10 and 20 and 30 years. They've been terrible. We have priests who just read their homilies. I mean, you can't get more boring. You can't have more people tune out just by reading to them. I don't look at my wife and read her a love poem. I speak to her. What we've lost in our church is something we used to have par excellence, and that is teaching. That is preaching. And 
and that was authority. This is what the Catholic Church teaches. This is what we believe in. Why? And this is comes straight from God because the Catholic Church was started by Jesus, the ultimate authority on earth. It does not matter whether you agree or disagree. Jesus taught it. He's the ultimate authority. He's passed it on to the Catholic Church, and this is what we are teaching today. We have lost that kind of preaching. We've lost that kind of teaching. Many of our homilies today are just paraphrasing the gospel or the readings. We've learned, fathers and other people, we've learned to paraphrase paragraphs and readings since we were in third grade. We can do that ourselves. What we need is to be challenged. What we need is to be convicted. What we need is to be told we're wrong, that we're in sin, that we need to repent, that we need to come home. We need to be told what the truth is. We need to be told that we're good. We need to be told that, you know, confession can heal us, that the Eucharist can free us. How many homilies have you given on miracles that have happened? People who have received the Eucharist and can see when they were blind. People who have received the Eucharist and have had their legs grow out, or people who are deformed actually had their faces fill in after receiving the Eucharist. These are actually true stories. How in the world can we expect people to believe these things if we don't talk about the beauty and the power and the splendor of the Eucharist? And in fact, what about the saints who have lived off the Eucharist for 40 years? They've only eaten the Eucharist, no food, no water for 40 years, and they were lived perfectly healthy lives. I have whole books on Eucharistic miracles that could be talked about and whole books on the theology of the Eucharist that makes complete sense from the Bible, but we need to preach it from the pulpit. We need to. This is the primary form of catechesis, and priests and bishops and deacons over the years, many of them have failed us. That's the reality. They failed us. We're too concerned with what people think. We're too shy to preach the truth. And we're, we've been backed into a corner, understandably, by our culture, by the people who hate us, by the people who have told us not to preach our faith for the last 50 years, not to step on any toes, not to make waves. And you know what? We've listened to them. And what's happened since then? They've stepped on our toes. They've made waves. They've pushed us in the corner. And they've told us to shut up. And so we have, and we don't preach our faith anymore, and we're way too concerned about people leaving the church and offending them with the truth than actually preaching the truth. And we wonder why Catholics don't know their faith. We wonder why teens and young adults are walking away from the faith in droves because it's become a joke. That's why it's not real. It's been watered down. We're giving them scraps of bread and spam and powdered eggs instead of real food, and they're going to other churches to receive food. I mean, if you received scraps of bread and spam every day, it would make you lose your desire to eat. You wouldn't even want to eat anymore. In fact, I probably wouldn't either. And you'd probably go somewhere else to get real food, even if the restaurant wasn't credible and didn't even have a real license to operate. If they have better food, that's where you're going. And it's the same thing in the Catholic Church. We're leaving for man-made churches, even though they weren't started by Christ and they have no authority. We're leaving for them because they're being fed more there because we have failed to do our jobs. That is is the reality. That is as simple as it can be. What we need is apologetics. What we need is good old-fashioned teaching and preaching again, telling people what we believe and why and with authority. Not passive. Not just, let's be nice and have the, you know, some people say the church of nice. Let's just be nice and get along. You know what? 
People are going to go away forever. We need apologetics. We need reconstruction. We need people to be brought back and to be taught their faith. We need to be hit hard with it in the pulpit, in religious education, in many different areas. We need it. We're starving for it. You have no idea how starving our youth are today. Starving to know the truth. And yet we've watered it down for 40 years because we think that people will stay. We've watered it down for 40 years because we don't want people to leave. And name for me one time that Jesus cared about offending people. Name for me one time Jesus didn't preach the truth because he was worried about what people thought. Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to save souls and bring people to heaven, to get them to be holy so that they could enter the kingdom of heaven. He brought the truth and he wasn't afraid to share it, even at the cost of his death. And so today, our fathers out there, our mothers, our religious education teachers and directors and everyone else, Catholics, we need to rise up. We've been quiet for too long. We've been passive for too long. People have told us to shut up for too long. And you know what? I'm tired of shutting up. I'm not shutting up anymore. I'm going to preach it from the rooftops. I'm going to preach it from the top of the Empire State Building. I'm going to preach the Word of God and nothing can chain the Word of God. The Bible says that nothing can chain the Scriptures. Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an all-consuming fire. Let's stop putting out the fire and making the fire grow instead. Let's make the fire grow. Fire is supposed to spread. Fire is supposed to heat. Fire is supposed to light. And the Holy Spirit is the all-consuming fire. I'm not shutting up anymore. I'm preaching the gospel. And that's exactly why I've started my nonprofit ministry called Catholic Truth, because it's meant to preach the truth from the rooftops. And anyone and everyone who wants to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why can find it here at our organization, Catholic Truth. This is what we need, and we need to start having it from the top down. No more timidity. The Bible says in 1 Timothy that the Holy Spirit was given to us for power, for love, and for self-control. Not to go back into fear, but to have power. Power! That's what we want, the power of preaching. Nobody wants it watered down anymore. Give us the real thing. One of the last things that I want to say is look at our church compared to the way it used to be when people practiced their faith, knew their faith, and loved their faith, and the way it is now. Look at the churches in the 1950s, in the 1940s, in the 1800s. Everybody was there. They were filled. They were dressed reverently. They prayed reverently. They all went up to receive communion, kneeling down at the altar rail. And guess what? They received it on their tongue. Everything about the Eucharist was reverent, was transcendent. The music was beautiful. The mass was beautiful. It was well said. It was reverent. And look at it today. We have people giving out, distributing communion in tank tops, dressed like they're going to the picnic. We don't kneel down. We receive in dirty hands. And we have no respect or no understanding for the Eucharist because of the way that the Mass has been watered down and changed. It's not reverent today. In most cases, there are 
regular masses that are very reverent and have been to many, but there have been many, many, many more that aren't. I ask choir directors regularly, why did you play that song? I mean, <laughs> that's like an African spiritual that's great for like a campfire, not for mass. And one particular choir director said to me, well, it doesn't really matter what music you play, you know, because the people in the pews, they don't really know anything, so you can pick whatever you want. <laughs> I'm like, I find that most choir directors don't know anything about music. Music is not just to entertain. And in the Catholic Church, it's not supposed to entertain at all. It's the opposite of what it's supposed to be for. So all these rock bands and all of these folk bands that are trying to be relevant today, that's not what the purpose of music is. Relevance, it's not going to keep people in. Beauty is going to keep people in. Worship is going to keep people in. Music that lifts the heart, the mind, and the soul to God is going to keep people in the church. Reverence for the Eucharist. I mean, look at the way people used to dress for Mass. Now look at the way we dress for Mass. We look like we're going to the beach. We look like we're going to the park. We look like we're just going to the club sometimes. I had a few weeks ago, the girl's dress in front of me was so short, it barely covered her butt. Like, barely. And that was sitting in front of me the whole time at Mass as I'm trying to concentrate. Now, what are you saying about your own faith? And what are you saying about God by the way you dress at Mass? I mean, the whole thing from beginning to end has been diluted and watered down. Even back in the 70s and 80s when I grew up, we weren't allowed to talk after Mass. It was a sacred and holy place where you just don't talk because the presence of God is there. Now we treat it like it's a coliseum, or we treat it like it's a sports event, or we treat it like it's an auditorium. We treat it anything but sacred. And we wonder why people have lost the mysticism and the transcendence and the faith that they had in God. It's because we're doing it wrong. We've gotten away from doing it correctly. And I, this isn't a condemnation. It's a call to return to reverence. Reverence in the way we receive communion. Reverence in the way we dress. Reverence in the way we pray. Everything is supposed to lead us to the transcendent God above. And really, if I'm honest with myself as a Catholic, the Mass today, it doesn't lead me to the transcendent. It actually takes me away from the transcendent with a lot of the music and a lot of the homilies that talk about their ski trips and try to make jokes and all of these other things. It doesn't feed me. It doesn't convict me. It doesn't make me better. And it doesn't make anyone else better as well. We want the real thing. And we need to return to the real thing. I'm begging you. I'm pleading you to return to the real thing. There's no reason to re invent the wheel. If you want to do the Mass in English, great, go ahead, but make sure it's reverent. And I'm not advocating a Latin-only Mass. I believe, you know, the Mass can be good in Latin or not in Latin. I went to a reverent Mass in Virginia, and in Virginia, they do the Mass in Latin, and they do it in English, and even the English Masses are reverent. They have 250 altar boys at this parish, and we have 30 of them coming around holding huge candles and lights during the time of the Eucharist, and there's incense, and it's just a spectacle and an awe to behold, knowing that God is fully present there in our midst. So let's step up and have people, extraordinary ministers of communion who are only supposed to be extraordinary, let's start by having them not hand out communion in tank tops. How about that? 
You want to know why people have no respect for the Eucharist? Because the people giving it out have no respect for the Eucharist. And I'm sorry that I'm really blunt about this, but it really is convicting me that we need to change and nobody's listening and nobody's doing anything about it. And enough people speak up. If enough people cry, we want more, then something's going to happen. The Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe can only be chained for so long. He can only put up with this garbage for so long. He is truth. And he gave the truth to us. Let's stop hiding it. Let's stop walking around it. Let's stop pretending it doesn't exist. Worse, let's stop pretending that, oh, we make up the truth. We decide what we want to follow. We decide if we want to go to church or not. No, we don't. There's only one God. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he alone gives us the truth. Follow that truth, and you will find happiness, peace, and fulfillment. Get rid of that truth. And everything falls apart. And those false wolves in sheep's clothing, nuns, priests, bishops, theologians, and other people who have bought the counterfeit and have taught the counterfeit and have sold the counterfeit over the last 40 years, we're calling you out. We're taking back our church. You are not in charge of the church of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church and not you. And thankfully, despite all the damage you've done, Jesus himself, said that no matter how much evil attacks it, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Thank you for listening to my rant. I don't rant very often. Here's the question of the day. Are you sick and tired of the Catholicism the way it is today? And do you think it should change? Do you want it to grow? Do you want it to expand? Do you want it to be the one worldwide church that's in power and glory like it used to be? For 2,000 years, we have made some of the greatest art, architecture, and music in the world, in history that the world has ever known. We have created some of the greatest things. We invented the scientific method. We founded the theory of the Big Bang. There's 35 craters on the moon named after Catholic priests. When we live our faith, we change the world. When we don't, we implode. Let's live our faith. And that starts with each and every one of us, including me praying every single day, not skipping your prayer times, praying every single day. How can you even hope to be a good Catholic if you don't pray every day? It just doesn't happen. Let's pray. Let's really treat the sacraments like never before, and let's live our faith. 